I am reading from Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from the heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in another language, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound of the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of the of each. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? The word of the Lord. This morning we are, are kicking off our fall series that we are calling uh, This Is Church. Are any of you This Is Us fans, the TV show This Is Us? So so we, my wife and I, I love that show and kind of how it, it talks through the realities of, of what life looks like from all kinds of different angles. For those of you that don't know anything about the show, it, it, it kind of walks through a family's journey at different periods throughout history. And so this this... This fall, we're going to be talking through church, what it means to be the church through the lens of the book of Acts and kind of looking at, well, what happened for the early church? What does that mean for us today? How do we continue to function in the same way that the early church functioned now and today? So, but before we we dive in too far, uh, any of you like Mad Libs? Car, Car rides, Mad Libs? This might be a little risky here. I want you to turn to your neighbor and fill in the blank. Church is fill in the blank. So turn to the people you're sitting next to. Church is what? What do you think of when you hear church? Alrighty, I'm curious. Church is what? What's church? Church is what? Your place to worship. Church is people. Church is comforting. We're all yelling them all at once. Church is loving people. Church is family. What about from this side over here? Church is what? Home. Church is home. Greg Sprague, what's church? Church is community. 
this side over here. What's church? It's what? Important. Church, church is important. You know, church, church is all of those things. Important. Church is community. Church is family. Church is home. And when we show up to church every Sunday, we come with perceptions about, well, this is what we think church is. Right? We, we, we come with, well, well, church should look this way, or church shouldn't look this way. We, we, we think things like, well, church should focus on spiritual things and not secular things. Or, or maybe, hey, church is a place where a pastor should preach, but not be too preachy. We, we, we should be a place to seek justice, but, but shouldn't be too political. We, we, we should sing certain types of music, but, but not others. We, we should teach our kids morals. We, we should be a safe space. We could go on and on about what we think, about what, what church is or what church isn't. We all have different ideas about the church. And whether or not we recognize it, when we show up on Sunday morning, we, we bring those ideas with us. And those, those ideas aren't, aren't wrong. That's not at all what I'm saying. We, we bring those ideas with us, and, and those ideas shape who we are as a community. So over the next six weeks, we're going to be walking through selections of the book of Acts, attempting to learn from the early church, which was a, a community that was trying to figure out how to function, how to function as a, as a group of followers of Jesus in, in a world that was rapidly changing. So how, how do they function in a world that was, was constantly moving? And I think it's important that we ask that same question. How do we function as a church in a world that is rapidly, rapidly on the move? And what does, what does Scripture say about it? What, what does the Bible say about who we are called to be as, as, as followers of Jesus together? This morning we'll be in, in the second chapter of Acts, so if you brought your Bible, I always encourage you to, or if you want to pull out your phone and follow along, we'll be in, in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 37. Um, but as we turn there, the words will also be up on the screen. You can also use the Pew Bibles. There's a lot of ways you can read Scripture in church, which is a good thing. Um, the words will be up on the screens, and as we turn there, let's pray together. Uh, loving God, we, we thank you for the gift of, of the church, for the gift of your bride. And God, as we dive into the book of Acts over the next few weeks, we ask that you would be with us. Give us ears to hear what you have for us this morning. And Lord, I ask that you take my words and use them for your kingdom. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Now, in a a lot of ways, we should see the the book of Acts, understand the book of Acts to be kind of a a sequel to, to the gospel of Luke. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all, they all tell the story of Jesus. But when they reach their conclusion, when they, they end, they all kind of leave us with a bit of a cliffhanger. With a bit of a, well, well what, what's next? And then we, we turn to Acts to see what's next. We're, we're, we're told a little bit about what Jesus did at the end of the Gospels. We're, we're told a little bit about what Jesus did with his disciples at the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but, but we're left kind of waiting. And then Acts kind of picks up at that place. Acts picks up with, with summarizing what happens with Jesus' ascension. The resurrected Jesus is there with his closest friends. He, he teaches them, encourages them, and then, then he promises they won't be alone, that the Holy Spirit is on the way. An advocate is coming. And while the disciples are trying to figure out what that all means, 
Luke writes that Jesus kind of ascends into a cloud and the disciples are left kind of perplexed and amazed. What does this mean? Where did he go? What did he mean when he said he was sending someone to be with us? What, what are we supposed to do next? So they go back to Jerusalem to a, a place that's, that's like it's become their headquarters, the upper room. And they do something that we know very well in the Presbyterian world. They form a committee. They, they, they form a committee and they say, well, we've got to figure out what to do next. Judas isn't with us anymore. Judas is so, so we've got to nominate a new leader. We, we, we do that well in the Presbyterian world. We've got to nominate a new leader. And they nominate a, a man named Matthias, and, and he kind of steps in. And, and in the middle of all that, right around the upper room where they're meeting in Jerusalem, there's a festival going on. And this is a festival where, where all the faithful Jewish folks, they gathered together, and they gathered together to celebrate that God had always shown up for them when they needed Him. And it's in the middle of that celebration where they're saying, hey, God is here. God is with us. We, God has always been with us. That God shows up. That God shows up through the Spirit. Now, maybe it, it shouldn't have been all that surprising in the midst of what they were celebrating. But I do think for a lot of those who witnessed the event, it was. It was shocking. And as Campbell read earlier, that the Spirit uh, led the apostles to speak in tongues and in all different languages. So, so those who witnessed it, they, they, heard, they heard them speaking in their own language. Again, they were amazed and perplexed. It didn't make sense. People in the crowd started making comments. They started talking amongst themselves and saying, Hey, hey John, what's wrong with those guys? Have, have they been drinking? What, what's wrong with them? What, 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 have they been, what have they been doing? And Peter, he stands up and he explains everything. He says, it's only 9 a.m. What are you all talking about? I, I always find this, this little, a little ironic that it's in the middle again of this festival where, where the folks are showing up to celebrate that God has always shown up. And then when God shows up, they say, what in the world is going on? How, 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 does, this, how does this look? And Peter, he goes on to explain everything. He, he responds, he explains everything, who Jesus was, who Jesus is, what that means for humankind. And then we pick up at Acts chapter 2, verse 37, and we read this. When the day of Pentecost had come, well, not that. We've already read these ones. We pick up here at verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? So they respond, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So growing up, my mom, um, she didn't camp much. She, she wasn't a camper. 
Um, but, but my dad would often take me on camping trips with, with Indian guides. Any of you know Indian guides? Any of you familiar with, with Indian guides? So my dad would take us camping with Indian guides uh, all to different places in Southern California. We went out to Catalina some as well. And, and then as I got a little bit older, I, I continued camping up and down the coast of California and into Mexico with my friends on surf trips. I, I wouldn't call myself an avid camper, but, but I enjoy it. I'm not, I'm not like the Burnett's who camp all, all the time. Um, any of you enjoy camping? Any of you enjoy camping? And, and, and are any of you more like my mom that she'll camp as long as it involves a bed and a warm shower? Four walls, maybe? Yeah, yeah. One of the things I, I love about camping is the different sounds you hear while you are camping. So we're going to have a little bit of fun. And kids, I mentioned earlier that that I'm going to need your help, and, and this is where I'm going to need your help. So you're going to hear a noise, a noise that we might hear when we're camping, and I'm going to need your help figuring out what that noise is. Kids, can you, can you help me with that? Ella, you can help me with that? Okay. All right, adults, you, you, can, you can listen in too. So. What do you think it is? Cricket? It is cricket. It's cricket. Alex, this one's for you back there. Are you ready? Are you listening, bud? Are you listening? See if you can tell what this is. Do we know? Frogs. Frogs. All right, let's try another one. It's an owl. So now, this one's a little bit harder, and if you haven't camped outside of Southern California, it might be a little more difficult. Cicadas, well done. Cicadas, any of you heard cicadas? Oh, I, I was camping in Georgia a couple years back, and I was like, what in the world is this? I was terrified. I was terrified. Now, these ones might be a little bit harder. These ones might be a little bit more difficult. You want to hear it again? Any thoughts? Sounds a little bit like a bird, maybe. A raven, maybe? Sprigs? It's a baboon. It's a baboon. None of you have heard of baboon while camping? So, so quick, quick story. Haley and I, when we lived in, in Africa, we, we camped in Zambia. That noise is what you would hear when baboons would allow or baboons would tell the rest of the animal kingdom that there was a predator who was hunting. And so you'd, you'd wake up to baboons barking at one another. This is a, another one. Let's see if we can get this one. It's, it's not easy. What? What's that? Hyena, not a hyena. 
It's a hippo. It's a, did, did you get hippos back there? Oh, well done. Well done. That's awesome. So another camping story from, from Africa. Haley and I were camping in Malawi, and we got to our campsite late at night, set up our tent kind of at dusk, and woke up at about 2 a.m., and I looked out the tent about 10 feet from us was this 300-pound hippo looking for its breakfast or dinner. It was terrifying. It was absolutely, it was an accident that we had set up there. So those were a little bit hard. So, so when we're out of our element, and for, for some of us, for most of us, camping is a little, can be out of our element. It, you know, I was, I was shocked when I, when I heard the hippo. I was terrified when I heard the baboons. You know, when we're out of our, our element, a regular routine, the noises that we hear force us to kind of kind of sit up and, and pay attention and say, what? what in the world was that? What, what was that? The Pentecost moment, the, the rushing wind, the languages, something that looked like, like fire sitting on, on the heads of, of the apostles, that would have pulled people out of their regular routine. That would have made them say, what? What, what is this? What, what is that? It would have been way outside the realm of what anybody would have considered to be normal. And it enforced an entire group of people to step into a place where they couldn't help but listen. They couldn't help but pay attention. And it was in the act of listening, of paying attention to the Holy Spirit, that the church is born. Through, through the act of listening to the Holy Spirit. Jesus' earlier, earliest followers spent, spent years sitting at Jesus' feet. They spent years watching Him, watching Him minister, talking about the lessons that He taught, trying to make sense of the stories that, that He told. And now, the crowds, the masses were, were listening. They were sitting at the feet of those who had sat at Jesus' feet before. And they hear the apostles speak in a multitude of languages. And then they hear Peter Explain the whole thing. They hear Peter explain it all. It was different than anything they had ever heard. Different than anything they had ever experienced. And it was, it was exciting and terrifying all at once. There's a couple reasons we're spending time in Acts this fall, but one of them is if we want to thrive as a church, we need to be a community of listeners. We need to be a community that, that listens for, for the Holy Spirit, who pays attention to where the Spirit is leading and saying, yes, we want to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And we can only know that if we're paying attention, if we're listening. It's all too easy to fall into the, the rut of kind of doing church, kind of the rhythms of doing church, of having our expectations that church should look one way or, or another. And I often wonder if we get so caught up we get so caught up in, 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 in doing church that we sometimes miss God on the move in our midst. Uh, yesterday was, was the first day of the soccer season for AYSO here, here in the Conejo Valley. Anybody play soccer yesterday? Any kids play soccer? What's the, what's the name of your team? The what? I didn't hear you. The Bandits? The Bandits? Any other teams? What's the name of your team? Say it real loud. Very cool. Yeah. Say it, say it one more time. The possums? 
The orange blossoms, very different than the possums. Yeah, Ella. The pink cotton candy crushers. The, the pink cotton candy crushers. Um, so, so we spent, we, we started this routine of, of soccer Saturdays. It's going to continue for the next couple months. And I experienced something yesterday for the, for the first time as a dad, a whole new type of anxiety. It was, it was halftime. Ella's team, the pink cotton candy crushers were, were up three to one. They were winning. And the coach comes to Ella and says, you're going to be goalie next. And my heart dropped. I said, really? And, I, and all of a sudden, I, I got really, really anxious. And I thought, what, man, what's going what's to happen? What, what is it? Oh. And, and I went back to my own childhood when I was 8, 9, and 10, where my dad stood on the sideline and screamed, David, pay attention! <laughs> David, scoot up! David, this is the field! That's not the field! Turn around! I had these, these flashbacks and it took everything in me to just keep my mouth shut. You know, there's the signs at Little League games of, of coaches coach, players play, parents cheer. And I know that's my role, but it was dang hard. It was, it was, it was dang hard. So I felt this, this anxiety and, and some of it was going back to my childhood and remembering the need to actually focus on the game that was in front of me. Acts. Really, Pentecost in particular reminds us to pay attention. To not get lulled into a pattern of going through the motions of church. It reminds us that that we need to look at what is in front of us. Listening. And my hope is, as we go on this journey together, not not just through Acts, as we journey together as a church, but we'll be able to hear and to discern where the Spirit is moving in our midst. So here's what I'm asking of of all of us as a church. Here's what I'm asking for us to do as a church. When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, it was obvious, this this rushing wind, everything we've talked about. But today, more often than not, the Spirit moves in a more subtle way. It's praying and praying and praying for something, and then having that prayer answered, sometimes in a roundabout way. It's seeing something happen that others might call a coincidence, but recognizing that God is in the middle of that coincidence. It's courage to go and to talk to someone you've been avoiding, or the humility to find yourself in a situation where you'd normally talk up and keeping your mouth shut. It's seeing a need in your neighborhood or or here in the church and being nudged to do something about it. Those are the ways that I think that the Spirit moves. There's other ways as well that the Spirit moves in our midst. So by all means, I want us to listen for the loud, in-your-face movement of the Spirit. But I also would encourage us to, to look for spaces, the, the kind of still, more quiet spaces where the Spirit is on the move. Let's be a church that listens well, that's attentive to where the Spirit is moving in our midst. And then let's talk about it. You know, John joked earlier that in Philadelphia, the Presbyterians are referred to as the frozen chosen. We can do that in Southern California, too. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to be this big, scary thing. It it, it doesn't. It's God moving in our midst. It's God moving in our midst. Let's be a church that listens, that pays attention to where God is moving.
As the crowds who were at Pentecost listened, as they, they heard Peter preach, Luke writes that they were, they were cut to the heart. Listening drives them to action. They respond to what they observe, to what they hear, to what they see. There's repentance and there's baptism. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They commit to fellowship with one another. It says eating pancakes together after church. They break bread regularly and they pray. If you want a simple description of the church, that's it. There's repentance and baptism. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They commit to fellowship with one another. They break bread regularly and they pray. If we have questions about what we should be doing, it's, 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 it's right there. Right there in Acts. N.T. Wright, who's one of my favorite theologians, calls this part of Scripture God's rescue plan. And, and, and he does so, he puts it in that way, because the church is the way in which God chose to get God's people back on track. The church, we are a part of that church. We are a part of that. We are a part of, of getting the, the world back on track. And it all starts with, with listening, with paying attention to where the Spirit is on the move. There's all kinds of exciting things coming up for us here at, at WPC, and I, I am thrilled with where we are going as a church, with all our ministries that are starting up this, this month. And I also know that there's a lot of work to be done. And as we figure out how this journey of faith and service looks for us as a church, my hope is that we'd move forward together listening first. That we would take intentional time to pay attention to what God is doing in our midst. Let's pray. Holy God, you, you know our hearts. You know our thoughts. You know our plans. Lord, we ask that you would guide our journey together, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear where you are moving. We pray these things in your name. Amen.